Have you ever wanted to help someone who is suffering but didn't know how? Have you ever looked at the hard parts of your own life and wondered, how can I find meaning in this pain? Today's guest is a person of exceptional strength who exemplifies that sometimes when you're going through the hardest moments of life, the best way to pick yourself back up is to help someone else in need. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm an award-winning podcaster and multi-passionate creative, and this show is meant to give you tools to develop enough self-love, self-trust, and self-knowledge to go after whatever it is that's on your heart, aka your hopes and dreams. The show explores a creative process, self-development, mental health, and spirituality, as well as everything it means to be a human and become more human. And nothing makes you feel more human than when you find out that you're sick. Today's guest is Alyssa Kelver. She's a breast cancer thriver and the founder and creator of We Got This, which is a nonprofit marketplace whose goal is to support people going through cancer, as well as to provide a resource for their loved ones who want to help them on their healing journey. This all started when Alyssa was diagnosed with stage four metastatic breast cancer in July of 2021, a cancer she continues to fight today and will for the rest of her life. She does it with some of the most strength and optimism I've ever seen in anyone, And what's so incredible about her is, in the midst of all this, she decided to give back. So she started We Got This, which, as we mentioned, is a nonprofit that provides services and products to help cancer patients and their loved ones with their healing needs. Some of the companies they've partnered with so far include Crocs, Bombas, Territory Foods, and Clean Cult, to name a few. They also have celebrity endorsements such as Tori Spelling and Gavin DeGraw. I wanted to have Alyssa on the show because she's, well, number one, an incredible person, and I wanted to talk about We Got This, how having a creative outlet during her treatment has helped. She offers great tools and tips on how we can support people going through the most difficult times of life, and she shares how to have relentless optimism, even when things get wildly hard. She shares why in hard times, the we is much more important than the I, and the deep value of community. Also, before we get into it, you'll hear me reference Alyssa's husband, Eric, a couple times. He's a drummer and a music supervisor who was on the podcast back in December 2020. And Eric is actually how I met Alyssa and started learning about her story. Okay, now here she is, the incredible Alyssa Kelver. Okay, Alyssa, thank you so much for being on this show I wanted to have you on just to talk about what an amazing woman you are, but also this incredible organization you've started called We Got This. But before we get into that, I would love it if you could take us through your journey. You're a cancer thriver. You're currently fighting stage four cancer and with one of the most incredible optimistic outlooks and strength and vulnerability and courage that I've ever seen in anybody going through this journey. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for being such a guiding force for how it can look. Because I think people get that diagnosis and then they just think they have to give everything up. And you say cancer after with the wrong person, which I love. And it's true. <laughs> it's true. It really did. But I'm wondering if you can share a little bit of your journey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it all started when I was feeling a bit off after having my daughter, which is pretty normal, right? You think like, oh, I have some aches and pains because my body grew another human and birthed it. Yeah, (laughs) And so I didn't think much of it until 
I started getting some additional discomfort, like my feet were going numb when I would be in shoes too long or just like different inflammation that wasn't really explainable. And I was going to doctors. In fact, I had a breast exam just two months before we found the lump in my breast and everything felt normal. You know, it's 34, I'm 35 now. So you don't get mammograms regularly until you're 40. So that wasn't really on the radar. And, you know, it turned out, luckily, my husband, Eric, found the lump that felt a bit off. And I probably wouldn't have thought much of that either, because it felt kind of like a clogged milk duct or something. And I wasn't breastfeeding at the time, but I had previously. Right. You know, but we took it seriously because I was like, you know, it's probably something. I did not think I had cancer. (laughs) Um, I thought it was maybe a cyst or something else. And so when I went to get it checked out, they also felt a lump in my armpit and my lymph nodes. And that was, you know, kind of like, okay, well, now there's multiple, but I still did not think like worst case scenario. And, you know, I had the mammogram done, I had biopsies done. And just a few days before Ellie's first birthday, I found out that they were both malignant and I did have breast cancer. So it was very surreal. You know, my first instinct was like, okay, well, what do we do? And I assumed like, we just removed my breasts and like, let's get rid of this and I'll do whatever I have to. So I found out right away that I would have to go through chemo, even if we did remove my breasts. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well, we'll do about four or five months of chemo. I'll have a double mastectomy. This is going to be a really messed up year. And then we're going to move on. And it was after that, that then I had the PET scan, which showed that the cancer had also spread to my liver and my lower spine at the time too. So once it spreads far away from the origin point of the breast, that's when it's stage four. Mm. So that changed things quite a bit because it went from this thing that I thought would mentally, and of course, even if it was an earlier stage, this sticks with you forever. And there's so much in addition to just the cancer itself. But that's when I was starting to get educated on that this was going to be lifelong you know, this wasn't treatment. And then I stopped, this is treatment forever. So that was obviously a big shock and something you still kind of digest because my other line of treatment has already stopped working. So I've pivoted to a new line that's working really well. Um, But when the other one stopped working, the cancer right now is in my breast and in my brain. So kind of changed a little bit where it was. And you just kind of keep going with what you have to and just be fortunate that these things exist because they didn't years ago. It was a death sentence. And that's not the case right now, which is good. Right. And when you first get any of this information, of course, like the first one probably was shocking and then the subsequent ones shocking, but in a different way. Like what's your first instinct when you hear this news? How do you deal with it? I mean, for me, I just go into like action mode. Like, well, what do we do? You know, in the second, like this recurrence that I had, I started having really bad headaches. And so I definitely had the feeling that something was wrong. Mm -hmm. And when we did the brain MRI and my doctor messaged, see if we could hop on a video call in an hour, I knew something was wrong before we hopped on the call. Because if something wasn't wrong, they would have just messaged it. (laughs) Right. And when we had the phone call, of course, it was that there was a couple spots in my brain And my initial reaction is like, what do we do? How do we get rid of it? And luckily that's, you know, the doctor's reaction too. And it didn't change my prognosis. It doesn't change, you know, the first thing she said to me is, you know, you're not dying. This is something that is treatable. And it's amazing that there are treatments 
for this because like five, 10 years ago, I would have been dying. And so I think that's just a big thing that I don't think we realize like how far these solutions have come. And so I'm lucky to be a part of that. And I'm in a clinical trial right now that combines even an extra drug that I think is working even better for it. And I look at it like those drugs will probably become the new standard of care within the time that I'm in this clinical study. You know, like there's so much we don't even know yet that's yet to exist. And so I think that's really encouraging. And that's kind of where I try to focus my energy on. Right. And by being part of the clinical study, you're helping save lives in the future, too, which is also a really big, beautiful payback. I think a lot of us focus so much on the cure and, you know, and staying alive. And that's a big thing I've been talking about is that, like, you know, in the meantime, I have to live with this. So even if there is a cure, like that doesn't help me right this second, you know, And I think the actual living part is just as important as staying alive. And that's really what we got. This is all about. It's not about the medical part. We support other nonprofits for research and other things that I think is really important. But where I saw the gap was that there just wasn't a whole lot to make us feel good while living. Right. And you almost get reduced to your diagnosis versus you're still a person who has a family and interests and wants to enjoy life. And you're also dealing with this. And that's what I love about what you're doing. Now, what you say is you wrote this in a post a year ago because you had your one year diagnosis, you know, anniversary. You said a year ago, I made a choice not just to stay alive, but to truly live. What's the difference between being alive and living? Because I think a lot of people who don't have cancer don't get this. Yeah, I'm not sure I did before I had cancer. You know, I think we sometimes fall into this place where things can make us feel a certain way. Or, I mean, my best example currently, because I I do still live by that, but sometimes it gets hard. Like Mm -hmm. the current targeted chemo that I'm on has been really brutal. Uh, Probably the worst treatment, like side effects that I've had, even though I was on stronger chemos before, just all of us are different in how it reacts. And it's like, I'm having these amazing results. The tumors in my brain have shrunk more than half within just a couple months. Um, Same with the tumor in my breast. Like it's amazing. And that in itself, you'd be like, oh my God, are you so happy? And I am, of course, like that's the goal. And I'm glad that it's working. But this treatment also makes me, you know, I go weeks where every day I'm vomiting or I can't get out of bed because I have a lot of back pain and nausea and fatigue. And that's not how I'm going to live. So I'm not giving up on this treatment, but I'm definitely focusing on how I can do the things that I want to do in my life. You know, I have a young daughter and I like to go golfing and I like going out with friends and all these things. And I think regardless of cancer, we do kind of forget some of that. Mm -hmm. Um, We focus so much on just like staying alive, like what we have to do. And I think we don't really focus on like what we're able to do and how great that is. So that's why everything, even though the nonprofit is to benefit first and foremost, the patients, it really is for everyone around the patients too. You know, my husband has to see me sick and all these things also that all of these solutions, like a little thing like Crocs and Bomba socks, like that might seem like something small, but you know, I get a lot of cuticle infections on my toe that are really painful and having socks without seams like the Bombas and shoes that are easy to slip on like Crocs, 
it's more comfortable. Not to mention I have fun like custom decorating the Crocs and stuff too. <laughs> Crocs are God's gift. I'm sorry to anyone that doesn't understand. I have to really <laughs> relentlessly disagree with them. It's like one of the best things that's ever happened to me. So <laughs> we've, we've kind of alluded to we've got this a few times, but let's talk about what it is. What is we got this and how did it start? Initially, what happened was I was halfway through chemo, like my initial chemo, and I wasn't feeling great. And I just needed to do something like to give back. And so I really honestly just wanted to do anything like I hook on to another nonprofit, other things. And I just I started thinking, like, there's all these great nonprofits that donate wigs and other stuff, which I think is really nice and great. But like for me, wigs, I don't identify a ton with like I just don't feel like myself. And so I wear them for special events and that. But like on a daily basis, I'd honestly rather be comfortable and not be wearing a wig in a hundred degree weather. Yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking about it and I was like, what if we found ways to like custom curate and cater what people need, you know? And then I thought about it further and I'm like, but do people even really know what they, you know, cause I didn't going into it. And I got that advice from other people. So my initial thought was like, let's do something just for breast cancer, just in LA. Cause like, I can't help everyone. Right. And, and you so- changed your mind. <laughs> <laughs> and then I made a few phone calls to <laughs> my friends. I went to Babson College um, right outside of Boston, which is uh, number one school for entrepreneurship. And most of my friends have started amazing businesses such as Bombas and a lot of other things. Yeah. So one of my first phone calls was with one of the founders of Bombas. But before that, I talked with my friends, Alex and Alexa, who I went to school with, and I told them the idea. And my friend Alex was like, do you mean like baby list, like a gift registry? And I was like, oh my God, no, <laughs> that's a way better idea than what I was thinking. So we kind of flipped it from being like local and small to starting global. And the first call of a product was with Bombas and they helped me to understand how we could work together. So starting the site on a scalable level made a big difference. So that way, when I was able to get phone calls with Crocs and these other major brands, I had a game plan of how we could do this. And I looked at it like the solution to me was making it easier for people to give and easier for people to receive. Because if you ask me what I need, I'm not going to tell you. Like, I'm just say all I need is you reaching out. I really appreciate it. Like, I'm not going to ask for things that doesn't make me feel comfortable. And frankly, I had no idea what to ask for. So I got a lot initially had a lot of people send me blankets and I really appreciate it. And I use them all, but I have like 20 blankets, yeah. you know? And so I think giving people like solutions, like we make it so easy for babies and weddings and the good times, but we make it really complicated on how to help people when times are tougher. Mm. And so I think that's a huge gap in how we help people. And we kind of diminish it just to meals, right? It's like, okay, we'll do a meal train. But when you're going through chemo, like you have all sorts of stomach issues. You don't know how you're going to react to certain foods. And so um, tons of friends got together and sent us Grubhub gift cards and Postmates. And it was really helpful. But I thought about it, like thinking about all the things that I got suggested, like that I would have known about. Like we can crowdsource ideas like special mouthwash because you get dry mouth or getting my eyebrows microblading was a big one because even when I lost all my hair, I still had my eyebrows. I never would have known to do that before chemo unless other cancer friends had told me. So that's the plan. Yeah. 
It's just so brilliant. And you brought up something that really struck me. You said we have all of these basically infrastructure. We have an infrastructure to help celebrate the best moments in life. But we don't have an infrastructure to help people through the worst moments, which I don't even think arguably is when you need the most support. And we're we're almost afraid to like ask or research because if we do that preemptively, we're thinking negatively. And if we do it, like, what if we do it the wrong way? What if we don't give the right thing? There's so much like uh, mental chatter about it and fear of hurting somebody or offending. Why do you think we avoid these things in life, the hard things in life? And what would be your advice to someone on how to start going toward it and planning for the tougher moments? Like what's optimistic about that, basically? Because you are an eternal optimist. What's right. optimistic about planning for the hard moments? Yeah, I think being realistic that we need a plan for them is the first step. You know, I mean, I could be in denial that I'm living with cancer, but the thing is, is that I am, and I have to go through this treatment and it greatly affects my life. So it's like, okay, I can, you know, sit and pound sand about that, or I can come up with solutions that will make this better and easier to live and thrive and all those things we talk about. So I think that by creating this platform, my goal is that when someone reaches out to say how I can help, you know, the person going through this can just send a link and just say like, that means so much to me. You know, what I would probably say is I'd say it means so much just you reaching out. Please don't feel any obligation, but here are the things that I've learned I'm going to need or that I do need. And someone told me initially, um, it's actually Ellie's pediatrician, Dr. Julia. (laughs) She was like, you know, everyone's going to reach out and ask what you need and let them get you things. Like if they want to send you dinner, let them you know, cause these things will ultimately help you, but like, it really helps them to feel like they can be a part of this journey and help in any way. And so I think that with the actual site and the registry and helping with the ideas, we're giving people a real way to allow people to help them. And that's why it truly is for everyone involved. Yeah. I mean, and it is amazing. Okay, now that I know you are friends with the Bombas people, it makes so much more sense because I'm like, how does she look just as good as every other e-commerce website who has a major, major brand looks? Like you look like a Bombas or like, a, I don't know, I'm thinking like a ritual vitamin. Like you look as beautiful as those sites. Okay. So is it, did you get a lot of advice from those people? Like how did you just figure it out and when? Because that's the thing that blows me away the most about you is like you've built this incredible, memorable brand while going through this and being a wife and a mother and all your other roles. Thank you. And yeah, that started. So when I started the thought process of what we were going to do, I was like, okay, well, we're not like a 501c nonprofit yet. I just literally came up with this idea. So I called my friend who's a filmmaker And I was like, could you help me put together a video explaining what I'm trying to do? And I mean, at this point, I didn't have it fully hashed out. I just knew this was the ultimate goal to build this gift registry. I was like, can we record that? And I'm going to start a GoFundMe and let's see like where the interest is. And so I was originally going to do the GoFundMe for like 20,000 or something. I was like, we can do a Squarespace site. And all my friends I went through with was like, first off, you're going to need way more money than that. And second, I think you can raise way more. So we did the GoFundMe at 100000 We've completely surpassed that goal, which was awesome. And when that started, we started raising a bunch of money really quickly. And it was almost like the awareness through the GoFundMe brought some of my friends out who were like, hey, I can help you build this website. I can help you design this. And I had 
Um, one of my friends who had lost her mom to breast cancer, she made our awesome logo and everything just like came together. I really felt like the second the logo got created, we were real. It was like, we we're a real thing now. So most of what you see, like the design, the logo, that was all donated time from mm-hmm. friends who are just incredibly talented. And then once we were able to raise more, we kind of overhauled and redid it to be this functional site where like today people can already go. I mean, we're not even a year in and you can go to this site and you can go into the marketplace and you see Bombas and Crocs and Bantam bagels and all these really cool partners we have. And you can access discounts for them, whether you, you have cancer or not. Some of them are more drastic discounts for the cancer patients, but everything is a minimum of 20% off. And a portion of the purchase also gets donated back to us. So it's pretty amazing, like what these companies have done and how this conversation of telling them like how we're talking and explaining this need, they took to it immediately. Like these didn't take months to get, like it was a phone call with Crocs explaining our mission. And within a week, Crocs was on our website. And so to me, that says so much about how much like not only do individuals want to help, but these companies want to help too. And that made me feel even better about using them. And like, these are genuinely everything on the site is something I've used for my cancer journey or other people have suggested. Yeah, it's a no brainer. I mean, it's one of the greatest ideas I've ever heard out of being also one of the most heart centered and beautiful things. And I think one of the other things that really struck me and why like I started tearing up when you told me about the logo is you're giving people a place to channel their pain. Like you're allowing people to alchemize their pain into creation, into service. And I just think it's so powerful because one other thing you talk about that I love is why the we of We Got This is so important. Can you speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. So my initial thing was when, like this was before I announced on social media or anything that I had breast cancer, I called up my immediate family and my closest friends and I was like, you know, basically explaining to them that I had breast cancer. And there would be that pause where like, neither of you would know what to say. <laughs> and how I would fill that gap was I would just say like, it's okay. Like, I got this, you know, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. That was a common thing. Like, even if I look back at Instagram posts or stories, like well before any of this nonprofit stuff was even a vision, I would keep saying, I got this. Like when we were coming up with the name for the nonprofit, it just like didn't feel right. Because it felt like that was lonely. Like, I, I don't have it alone. I don't have to. You know, we're all in it together. And so I kept going back and forth. Like, should it be I got this? You got this. We got this. And I felt pretty, you know, strongly that it needed to be the we. And I'm so glad that I went in that direction. Because I think that applies no matter what. Like, even when people say, like, you got this or that, it's like, no, no, like, we all do. You know, everyone's going through something, whether it's cancer or something else, this camaraderie of the idea, I think, brings everyone together around such like a difficult time that so many people are affected by, like people who reached out with messages that were moved by my posts or other things who I didn't talk to in a year, you know, maybe 20 years, or I knew from summer camp growing up or school or, or whatnot, that it affected them you know, to hear that and that they ended up going getting a mammogram or other things. Like, I don't think we realize the way that things happening to us affects the whole we of everyone. Yeah. The whole world, really. Like you can never really fully know the ripple effects that you're having on the world. Sometimes until something wild happens to you and all these people are reaching out um, and something really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. 
What would you say is the best way you were kind of cared for or like loved during this? What's one of the best things that somebody in your life did to take care of you during this time? Oh, that's a tough one. There's a lot. I think, you know, of course, my husband and my daughter have just been relentlessly optimist with me. And and that's been really helpful, you know, not treating me differently because of what I'm going through, but just being supportive along the way. You know, when I kind of had this idea to start a nonprofit, a lot of family and friends were like, I mean, don't you think you should slow down and just focus on yourself? And my husband knew me well enough (laughs) to know that one, I wouldn't listen to that, but also that it, that wasn't what I needed. You know, if anything, I needed to, to speed up. I needed to have something that I could focus on that would help the people around me too. Cause ultimately that helps me just like this whole idea, like helping other people helps you too, you know? So I think the the best thing was him being so supportive and me taking on, you know, this big undertaking that we're still going through. And he's been by my side with that, you know, always, which is great. How has creating this been healing for you? It's been so healing. I mean, it's really kept me so optimistic throughout knowing that like on the days that I can work on this and help and the amount of people who have come on board now to help with it, like it's so much bigger than me. You know, it's so much bigger than my story and hearing how it affects other people in a positive way has just been amazing. We had our first in-person event on June 13th in my hometown of Andover, Mass, outside of Boston. And seeing the people who came out was just like, I'm still in shock from it. I didn't realize like we hadn't, hadn't done anything in person, you know, for a lot of reasons, because we're going through treatment and COVID and everything and seeing like the camaraderie and that and the community around it was amazing. I went into the tournament thinking we're going to raise 20, 30,000. That's amazing. Like, and I just want to get people together and see everyone. And we ended up raising over a hundred thousand dollars in the one day. And it was just unreal. It still is. And we're going to do the same thing in LA. Hopefully we'll raise even more out here on November 28th. So yeah. So it's exciting getting people together and seeing how people want to help. What struck me the most in Boston, and we'll do this again in LA, is I had an idea for us to just give back. So of course, this platform that we're creating, I mean, we're essentially creating like a global tech platform, you know, to help everyone. And that's the main goal. And I think that's going to help so many people. But in the meantime, too, there's people who don't have the outpour of support that myself and a lot of people are lucky to have. So I came up with this idea to build some joy boxes where we would basically curate items, you know, from the site and the things that make us feel good and just gift them to chemo patients and cancer patients and people going through this. And so I threw out that idea at the auction at the golf tournament and we raised like almost 40,000 just for that. It was amazing. Like that people wanted to contribute in that way, like not for themselves, but just to help other people. And so we're working with some local hospitals right now to directly help not only patients, but there's other gaps that I'm finding. Like there are programs for children who donate their bone marrow to help their siblings going through cancer and other terminal illnesses. And I mean, that makes sense. It's just something I never would have thought of. Mm -hmm. And finding that out through my friend who's a social worker, because of what we raised, like we're immediately helping them. So like, we're going to fund doing joy boxes for them and like, let them know how special they are. 
And they kind of fell in this gap because those kids don't have cancer. They don't have a terminal illness. And so other nonprofits, that doesn't like align with their mission. Mm -hmm. And it made me so excited to feel like, wait, this totally aligns with our mission because we're about helping everyone around the cancer patient too. And it just makes me feel like this is one example of so many things we can do with having this together, because it really is like, I use the term everyone so much because it truly is for everyone, you know? So it's, it's exciting that it's horrible that these things are happening, that we have to support, but knowing that we can be a small piece and just making someone's day is like just as important as everything else. Cause the stuff they're going through is hard. Yeah. I mean, finding meaning in your suffering is everything. And that's what you did. You know, that's what you're doing through this. What would be your advice to somebody who's a family member or a very close friend, a loved one of somebody who's going through cancer? Like, what's the best thing you can do besides reaching out, besides going to We Got This to support that person? A big thing that I would say not to do is don't try to relate. You know, I'm nauseous right now. And I was also nauseous when I was pregnant, but it's not the same thing. And those types of things, it's our human nature. We want to fix things. We want to make people feel better. You know, our instinct is to relate and, and you just can't, I can't relate to someone else with cancer. Like even someone else with breast cancer, like everything that we're going through is like a thumbprint. And I mean, I've talked to hundreds of people now since being diagnosed with breast cancer and I can't name one to you that has the exact scenario as me, like not one. Some are close, but there are different you know, hormone receptors, different genetics, different symptoms, different treatments, like we're all so different. And so I think the best thing you can do is just, you know, be there for them and and what they need. Mm -hmm. And like what I might say helps me might not help someone else. And so I think the biggest thing is just kind of being present and reaching out and just understanding that, you know, everyone might be different. Some people might not, you know, feel emotionally okay to respond. Some might. It, to me, it was so similar to the feeling of grief or other things that people might go through. And I think we all tackle it so differently. So I think just being present and being there for whatever they might need. And some people might want solutions, you know, and some don't. So it's hard when people say like, my cousin's husband's sister-in-law, <laughs> um, yeah. she has, you have. And it's like, really? <laughs> Are you sure? Like, do, do you know what I have? <laughs> and uh, I know it's human instinct and it comes from a good place. But I think just trying to understand each individual scenario is so important. Yeah, that's a really good one. I was going to ask you, what's like the hardest well-meaning thing that somebody has done or said to you? And it sounds like trying to l- relate might be one of them. Yeah, yeah. And um I learned, I used to volunteer um, for a uh, nonprofit called boxing, uh, called neuroboxing is boxing for Parkinson's. And when I got trained for it, that was the first thing they told us was you can't relate to how someone's feeling that walks into this gym, like their aches, their pains, you know, their fatigue is nothing like you could understand. You know, it's not like if you have a cold or you're sore or whatever, like they're going through a totally different battle than you would ever know unless you're going through what they're going through. And that always really stuck with me because it is, it's our nature to want to be like, oh yeah, I've had that pain or this. And even if it felt the same, you know, the nausea I felt being pregnant was much different. I was doing something that I was so excited about having a baby and the nausea I have now isn't for that. You know, it's literally to stay alive. 
So that's, I think, a big impact. And I wish I had a better answer for it of like how, you know, what's the best thing to say or that. And it's just, I don't think that there is. I think everyone's different and you kind of feel that out by reaching out and seeing what a person's receptive to. So basically treat cancer patients like people. Yes, I think that's a good start for sure. (laughs) Yeah, because I don't feel different. You know, nothing's changed with who I am. Yeah, just treat them like a person, how you talk to someone and um, don't try to fix it or relate. There's a fine line, though. It's tough because sometimes people will send information or things that I find really helpful. And sometimes people send things that I don't find very helpful. And I have the, I feel like I can handle filtering that, but some people might not feel that way. Like if you are going to send someone an article or something, I think maybe summarizing it is nice. A lot of times when people send me articles, it feels like homework. Yeah. Like they'll just send it. And then it's this article I have to read. And it's usually about a form of breast cancer that I don't have. (laughs) So I I think just, you know, it's not an easy answer, but I think if you are going to send something or information, I think making it as easy on the person as possible just like the whole idea we're talking about, like make it easy for them to receive things is the best thing. Right. And speaking of receiving things, so with We Got This Right Now, where is it at? I know the registry is on the goals list. How close is that? And where can we get involved at this moment? Yeah. So the registry is our ultimate goal. And luckily, because we did raise so much more money than we thought we would at the golf tournament, we've started production on that, which is huge. I thought we were a couple years out from making that possible, but it's actually in the works right now. So we're hoping, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, our our estimated timeline of this initial registry is, you know, hopefully within the next four to six months. We do need to keep fundraising because like we've prioritized getting the site up, getting the marketplace, getting the registry built. I just think it's so important that this ultimate tech platform exists. But as we do that, we grow and and I need more help. (laughs) So as much as I love volunteering my time to this and doing whatever I can, you know, we've started building out our team with operations and um, more pieces, but we need to do more outreach to hospitals and, you know, get people to know that they can go to the site is important too. What we really need to do is, um, is, for people to go to the site. So the best thing is if you can go, we got this.org and become a member and you select either being a patient member or a supporter. So again, everyone can become a member. And then um, if you do feel so inclined, there's a place to donate on the site. If you're in the LA area, November 28th is when we're doing the golf tournament out here. So we'll be posting a lot on our social media, a lot on Instagram at we got this underscore org. And any donations helps us a lot, but involvement, you know, we want people to use it and be a part of it because every purchase that people make on the site, it's essentially an affiliate marketing model for the marketplace. So we get donations back anytime you buy a pair of Crocs or things like that. So I have a question. If I buy Crocs through your site, do they have to be going to a cancer patient or can I buy them for myself and then you still get the money? Yeah, good question. And these are a lot of the messaging and things that as we we grow, we can make more clear. It's just been (laughs) what it was. But yes, no. So you can buy for yourself and then we get a percentage. Hell yeah. Yes, yes. So to give you an example, if you go to wegotthis.org right now, as a supporter, you would get 25% off on Crocs, which is, you know, significant. And what what it does is you're not actually buying through our site. When you become a member, you click view discount, it'll pop up. 
and it'll tell you what the offer is from that company. And then it'll redirect, like you can click to be redirected to their site and you use that code on their site. Crocs uses a special link. So when you click the link, then it automatically puts it in your shopping cart. Those are all ways that you can help just by buying things that you might buy anyway. And it's like a better value. I wasn't understanding that piece of it. Okay, so for you listening, there's some seriously amazing brands on here. There's Bantam Bagels. There's Meditation. Do you say Sava, Sav, Sani? Is that what it is? Yes, Savsani. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's Territory Foods. I mean, there's like amazing brands on here that you might be using anyway. So if you go here, you can support We Got This. You can support Alyssa and cancer patients and thrivers everywhere. And you might just get the thing you need already. Or if you know somebody's going through treatment, you could buy one of these things and send it to them, right? Yeah. And then people going through treatment too all get the discounts too. And some of them are even more. Like for example, Crocs is unbelievably generous and they actually give 40% for the cancer patients on our site. And, you know, one of the big goals was to make it more accessible. Like it makes these products accessible to patients if they just want to buy for themselves too. Um, so we launched it because we figured the marketplace is a much, you know, lower lift than the registry is a much bigger coding issue, <laughs> but even big picture, you know, if someone just wants to be able to buy things for themselves. That's going through this. They can too. So it's more accessible for patients. It provides an affiliate marketing platform that basically helps us self-sustain our nonprofit. So everyone wins. And then it's these great brands that we really like that, you know, are excited to be a part of it too. You're so smart. You're so smart. <laughs> this is just like, this is such a brilliant idea. I could tell when I interviewed Eric that you were a force because of the way oh. he described you. But seeing this, I'm like, oh yeah. It was beyond what I even intuited from the way he was talking. Oh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And how do you know, because obviously you're in a time when you really have to be taking care of yourself, right? And yeah. you're putting all this energy into your business. You're, as you've said, a mother, a wife, a human with your own interests. How do you know, like when you're pushing yourself too hard and when you have to stop? Because I remember Eric saying you're both like workaholics. So how do you find the balance, especially during this time when you really have to be careful about your own self-care? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me has been limitations, like, you know, nausea being a big symptom I have right now and the back pain can make it hard for me to do as much as I used to. And so what I've started doing is bringing in more people to help because ultimately I realize I need to delegate some of this, but everything that I do with, we got this is like such a choice for me. I mean, I'm doing it completely voluntarily right now. Of just like, I just want to see it happen so much. So everything about it, I feel like it enhances my life and helps make this all have a purpose, you know, that's positive aside from me just, having cancer. <laughs> so definitely with that, but I've been trying to accept my limitations more when they do come up and be honest with it. And I think that's, what's been so great about this project is I can do that. You know, everyone's so supportive. So if they order merch and I was sick for the week and I couldn't get it out to them, people understand, right. You know, I don't know if anyone's thought of this idea before. It doesn't really exist the way that we're doing it. But keeping it a nonprofit is really important to me. And it's difficult because, you know, we can't go get investors or venture funding because we're a nonprofit. And so to me, I looked at it like we have to figure out how we do this without monetizing off cancer patients. Like the idea is simply to help everyone. 
And we're doing it in such a genuine way to want everyone to just have what they could need. And I think that's naturally grown who's been wanting to help. And so it's helped a lot with the fundraising. It's helped a lot with, like I said, I mean, from the beginning, the site design, everything was done by my friend Becca. And like, that's why it looks like a really professional site. You know, everything we've done has really, I think, come together that if I have limitations or I can't work on it for a period of time, there are other people moving things along. And that's really exciting and encouraging. And again, it's the we. Of yeah. It. I was going to ask you, because you seem like somebody who's an incredibly independent person. And obviously through this, you've had to lean into the we. For anyone listening, I mean, you don't have to be going through cancer to understand how hard it is to lean into the we, but how necessary it is sometimes. How have you learned to lean into the we and what's your advice for others trying to do the same? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing initially was like letting people help. And that was hard for me. Not that I don't want people's help. I just I hate asking for help, which I think is like a lot of human nature. But leaning into that and letting people be a part of it. I mean, even from the beginning, like it's a big choice to announce on social media what you're going through. And to me, that was so important for a few reasons. I mean, initially it was important to me because I didn't want to have to explain it to everyone individually. And we can't control things like not having hair and other stuff. Like people are eventually going to figure this out. (laughs) But also like I had this one scenario and I was going out to dinner one night in Woodland Hills and this woman came up to me, I was waiting for my table and she was like, I'm so sorry. This is like kind of weird, but I know who you are from Instagram. And I want to let you know, like how much your posts mean to me. And she had breast cancer and like how much that inspired and moved her. And it was like, you know, I'm so glad that I chose to share it because that's something I wouldn't have really known, you know, and getting to see that makes me think maybe other people have been positively affected by it too. And if I can share that, that makes me feel great. It lets me have an outlet and it brings everyone together and makes people feel a part of it because, you know, whether someone else has breast cancer or another form of cancer or their family does, like, I don't know anyone who's not affected by cancer in some way. And if you're not, then you are now because I've told you my story. (laughs) Yes. And we're all family here. So now, you know, you have to know that we got this. You have to go to the website. You spoke about your Instagram and I have been so inspired. Obviously, I was aware of you through Eric. But when I started seeing your posts on Instagram, it just the way you're able to express yourself through words. I hope that you write a book someday because it's really <laughs> beautiful. And I, I hope you don't mind, but I actually copied and pasted one of your captions. And would you be okay if I read it? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So you were talking about your daughter's second birthday and you found out your diagnosis shortly before your daughter's first birthday. So you said during our photo shoot with Billy last year at Ellie's first birthday party, we had to pause a few times and we all cried. We had just found out a few days earlier that I had breast cancer. We didn't even know yet that it was stage four, only that I had it and would need to start chemo soon. This year, we didn't cry. We know so much more bad news now, yet we didn't cry. We know that I'll be in treatment for the rest of my life, that I have an incurable and terminal type of breast cancer, that it recurred already and has spread to my brain, and that we won't be having any more children. So why did we cry last year and not this year? Because our outlook is just so different now. 
We know how lucky I am to have treatment that can keep me alive, that terminal can still mean a full life ahead, that even tumors in my brain are treatable, and that we're the luckiest parents in the world to have one amazingly perfect daughter. It's crazy that what a difference an outlook can make. It's crazy what a difference a year can make. We now know what we're made of. Sometimes we can't control the bad things that happen to us, but we can control how we react to them. I'm not saying that every day is filled with unicorns and rainbows, but a whole lot of them truly are. Even those days that are so damn hard, we never forget that we're a team and we got this. I had chills the whole time I was reading that. Uh, Thank you. Tell me about your thought process behind writing this. And obviously you share it in the post, but a little bit more context on this post in this situation. Yeah. I mean, I think if someone told me like on the outside that someone else was going through this or that this was I was going to go through, like it all sounds so negative, right? I mean, it's like really hard, but there's so much positive too. And there's so many silver linings. And I don't know that I really believe that everything happens for a reason because I don't, I think that's kind of messed up. (laughs) I don't think that there's a reason for this, but I do think that there's good things that can happen out of bad things. I think, you know, a small example is like every three weeks I have to go in for my chemo infusions and Eric's company is super generous and lets him take the day to go with me. And um, the day of treatment, I usually don't feel too sick because I get steroids and other things. And, you know, it's this time that we have together to like step back and like it's important. And after each infusion, we pick out a new restaurant along the PCH. So either in Malibu because we're going um, from Santa Monica And we go out and we have like a special lunch together. And those are things that I don't know in regular life that we took the time to like really focus on that. Um, You know, we do date nights and other stuff, but like, you know, we have a young daughter and that and we work. And I think those types of moments are so important. And like, we look at that as a positive. I just think there's pieces that, you know, it's all really hard. But when you look at the whole picture and what you do have rather than what you don't have, you know, it brings a lot of insight that we don't always see in normal life. Yeah. I love what you said, because I feel similarly, like, I don't think everything happens for a reason, but there is meaning in the suffering and there is beauty around the suffering. And there's a lot of beauty, like even in the worst, most terrible parts of life, there is beauty. And you use the the phrase relentless optimism a lot. What does that mean to you? Yeah, to me, it means that like, no matter what gets thrown at us, like we're going to persevere through it and be resilient and still be optimistic. Because I feel like if I wasn't, I don't know, I'd be in a different place and that can spiral fast. And, you know, not everyone has to start a nonprofit in the middle of chemo. Like we all have different things that energize us and are important to us. And if you're not optimistic and you are feeling down about it, like that's okay too. We all just have our own journey and how we're going through it. But I think that sharing those insights is important because maybe it resonates with someone else who's having trouble seeing the silver linings and the positivity out of it. You know, I also say cancer sucks because it does, you know, and that's kind of my thing. Like when bad stuff happens, like it just sucks. I don't know a better thing to say. There's no reason for it. It's not like there's anything positive about the actual cancer, what I'm going through, but creating those moments and those things that are positive is in our control. Like you can't control the other things. 
And that's what's just helped me get through it more because I have no choice. And, and that's kind of what I would say at the beginning. People would say I was strong or other things. It's like, well, I'm, I really don't have a choice. Like, I don't plan on going anywhere and I'm going to do whatever it is that I have to. But I think continuing to be optimistic is more than that. It's not just doing the things. It's like choosing to have a positive outlook on the things that you're having to go through. So I think it's a tier above just that. Yeah. And I love it because it's not like you're bypassing the pain. Like you're still saying it sucks. There are days when I feel like shit, like I'm going through hard times and there's beauty around it. And to me, that's what true optimism is. I call it angsty optimism. I love relentless optimism, but it's, it's acknowledging the pain of life because it's there, but also there's a lot of beautiful things around. And I think your focus on that is what is just drawing people into your story and your organization so much. Two people you've drawn in, which I love. You're good friends with Tori Spelling and her husband, Dean. Like, (laughs) tell me about this. I know they've been an important part of your journey and of We Got This. Yes, met Dean and Tori years ago. Um, I used to own a boxing gym and Dean had come in one day and we just became instant friends and through that. And he's one of my my main golf buddies too. Uh, And so they've just been so supportive Um, from the beginning, actually, when I got diagnosed I really wanted to cut my hair short. That was like a tip I was given by another friend who had been going through this. And she was like, it really helps to have shorter hair before you lose it. Cause like your hair, your head kind of hurts when you're losing your hair, the follicles, like it feels almost like it's bruised. So having like less weight on it helped and not having to pull out long strands of hair. And so it was, you know, during COVID and I only had like, I had like two days once I got this till chemo started and so I messaged Dean and Tori just, you know, because they had reached out being like, how can we help? And I was like, you know, thank you so much. It was the same thing. I'd always say, thank you so much, like for reaching out and all that. And I didn't really have anything. And then I messaged them. I was like, wait, I found something. <laughs> I was like, do you guys have anyone that could come to my house? Because I figured they would have like a stylist that could go to someone, you know, is vaccinated and could cut my hair. And so they were like, we're on it. Like, give us a couple hours and we'll get back to you. And so within like an hour, they were like done tomorrow, one o'clock, their friend Vanessa was coming over. And so it was the day before chemo that I cut my hair. I had already had my eyebrows done and I felt like pretty awesome. Like I felt like we did like a beauty day and mm. the feeling going into chemo, like totally took a 180. It wasn't like me dwelling. Cause like, Oh, I have to cut my hair. Cause I'm going to lose it. Cause I have cancer. It was like, how cool we took this like really crappy thing and we made it kind of fun. Like I had never had a bob before. Yeah. <laughs> I got my hair short, you know, <laughs> and it, it made it exciting. And while I was getting my hair cut, I got a text from my friend Alex. She had sent me a video of like one of my favorite singers, Andy Grammer, yeah. did like a recording for me and sang a little bit of Don't Give Up on Me. And like, it was just this whole experience that like seeing my friends come together to like just do whatever they could to make me feel happy. I think that's like the thing, right? Like they can't cure my cancer. They can't go to chemo for me, but you know, we can provide these things for happiness. Sorry. I totally went on a tangent with that. No, no, that was great. I think like that's such a good observation. Like curating opportunities for joy is so important when someone's going through some sort of tough situation. Totally. And so in that, in that continue, you know, when I was able to, um, Dean would take me out golfing and stuff like that. And so Tori was starting her new show, which was all about, each episode they throw a party and so in one of them she wanted to celebrate her new breast implants and throw a booby bash 
And so I was talking with her and Dean about it. And she was like, yeah, I really want to support you and support raising money, you know, for cancer too. And with everything we're doing, we got this. So her and the producer, I chatted with them a bit about it. And we came up with, we did some custom pink stuff for We Got This. And it was this amazing little party on the rooftop of the Beverly Hilton and just kind of celebrating like, you know, all of it, like celebrating woman empowerment, celebrating feeling good, like doing the things in our life that are important to us. And so that was just really cool that they were so supportive and continue to be. So it means a lot to me. Yeah. Just to go into something creative, like I love that you say you danced every day, you started golfing. To me, like these things enhance joy. Having some sort of creative hobby is so freeing and helps you expand. And yeah, I'm just curious what those like hobbies or like moments of joy have meant to you on your journey, your healing journey. Yeah. Well, the dancing every day that started when Ellie was born. We just started this tradition, like even when she was a baby and like wouldn't really know what was happening. We would dance before every nap, before every time we would put her to bed. That's just like what we did. And we just like had all these different songs. I think some of it, you know, she was born July 2020. So we're like in quarantine. And it was just kind of like what we did each day. And it, it made us feel good. And we could tell she liked it. And it's so cool now that like she actually dances, you know, before she that we were holding and and we do it every single night like she knows that that's when it's bedtime is after our dance party and it was nice because the song we pick means something to us like Andy Grammer's song Lease on Life actually came out the week I was diagnosed so that's a big one in our rotation Uptown Funk has been a pretty big fan favorite (laughs) (laughs) but I always think of like dancing through life like to me it's like we're not just like making it through. We're like really thriving and dancing, you know, being positive. And so I love that that's a part of our routine and, and we do it no matter what, you know, no matter how I'm feeling, if it's a short song or a long song, like we make sure that that gets done because it's important, you know, mm-hmm. to like remember how lucky we are to have who we have. And so whenever I'm able to, I try to do the things that, that make me happy and feel joy and, Because again, like it's that whole idea of not just staying alive, like of actually living that I think matters. And, you know, before I think I didn't focus so much on hobbies and other things, like a lot of what I did was just my work and and seeing friends and stuff like that. But bringing in, you know, things that I can work on and improve on like golf, you know, that's like very recent one. I used to be more of a tennis player, excuse me. But it was just too high impact with chemo and everything. And so finding things to like insert that energy into, I think really it energizes me for sure. I mean, I feel like this conversation has been so powerful. I'm just grateful you chose to spend time with me, especially when you're going through as much as you are and to share your story with the audience. I was really honored that you said yes today because I know how much you're dealing with and how many roles you have and the amazing work you're doing. And I thought like, what if we gave everybody that reverence? We're lucky to spend time with each other. Life is precious. It's hard and it's precious and beautiful. You just, I think are such a shining example of you can acknowledge the hard and you life can be really hard and it is, but you also can look at the beauty and see the common humanity in another person and join something for the greater good. So thank you for teaching all of us about being alive and, um, and, and living and thriving. And 
I can't wait to see what you do with We Got This and to buy some Crocs. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for using your platform to promote it. It means a lot to me. So I really appreciate you reaching out. You're the best. Thank you for listening. And thanks to my guest, Alyssa Kelver. For more info on Alyssa, follow her on social media at Alyssa Kelver. And to get connected with We Got This, follow at We Got This underscore org and visit WeGotThis.org. Thanks to Rachel Fulton for helping edit this episode of Unleash. You can follow her at Rach E. Fulton. Thanks to Liz Full for the show's theme music. Follow her at Liz Full. And again, thank you. If you like what you heard today, remember to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Share the show with a friend and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Also tag Alyssa at WeGotThis underscore org so she can share too. My wish for you this week is to think about how you can support people who are going through hard situations. You never know the difference a small act of kindness could make in someone else's life. I love you and I believe in you. Talk with you next week.